Welcome to the Industry Insights Podcast. You will hear leaders discuss trends within their industry, emerging business models, and how your industry is evolving. And now, here's your host, Josephine Momberg. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of our podcast. So SAP did a report with Oxford Economics, and what they did is that they surveyed about 3,000 senior business leaders to find out how and if they had been able to implement holistic management style into their everyday business operations. So essentially what they wanted to find out is if an interconnected business exhibits more resiliency and leadership than other businesses. And so that's actually what I want to talk about today, but I don't just want to talk about the report isolated I want to put it in context with a specific industry, and the industry is the high-tech industry. So what my guests and I are going to do is to look at some of the findings from the report and then see if that holds true for the high-tech industry. And so to do this, I have obviously brought an expert in, and that guest is Patrick Maroney, and he is an industry executive advisor for the high-tech industry at SAP. So Patrick, thank you for being on the show, first of all. Thank you for having me. Yes, my pleasure. And then secondly, can you just introduce yourself to all of our listeners? Absolutely. I mean, you just mentioned my title and and maybe I'll explain what that means, right? So I get to work closely with executive teams from our customers. I basically help them to develop the appropriate time phase strategies and roadmaps. And that is, you know, based on their business goals, on the outcomes and the business outcomes they're trying to drive. Uh, we look at the things that are inhibiting them from achieving those uh, those uh, objectives, and then uh, you know what's what's preventing them from getting there. And then we look at whether it's business processes or technologies, time phase roadmap for uh, for overcoming those obstacles. Mm. So now let's tune over to look at some of the findings in the report. And one of the findings was that executives across a variety of different industries, right, because they looked at a lot of different industries, are actually pretty confident in functional and process integration. Actually, nearly four out of five say that they have integrated operations. They also said that interactions with IT is seen as critical to success. So now let's turn over to the high-tech industry. Is that something that you're seeing in the high-tech industry too, Patrick? You know, I think that's a really interesting survey result. And, and I would say on, on, on two different levels. On the, on the first level, you know, I would say that it does not align with what we're seeing. So, for example, let, let's suppose that you were driving on, on a road. And behind you, the road was perfectly straight. But in, ahead of you, the road's really curvy. And let's also say that all you could do was to judge where you were going by looking in your rearview mirror, right? Because the road behind you is straight, you would assume the road ahead of you is straight. And when you hit those curves in the road, you would likely drive off the road if all you could look through was your rearview mirror. And so the road ahead for high tech and many other industries is really curvy. I mean, we're facing supply shocks demand shocks, uh, resource shocks. And so it's really about um, how quickly and how uh, better you can predict what the road ahead is going to look like. And the better and faster you can do that, 
uh, the better you can adjust to those changes. So I find it strange that all of those executives would really comment to that extent because, you know, the focus is really on, on these changes. We, we often don't know what we don't know. And um, as obvious as that might sound, uh, you know, if we judge solely based on this rearview mirror approach, then we're going to drive off the road. Let me give you an example. We were working with a large high-tech uh, OEM recently, and you know they've invested a lot of time and substantial funds in business process re-engineering across the board, across all their processes. But if we think about it from uh, what they've done in procurement, just procurement as an example, we asked them, how many variations do you expect in your standard procurement process? And they said, after all this re-engineering, we would expect no more than six variations to our standard procurement process. And we said, well, let us analyze that. And we used a set of big data tools to look at all of the log files across all of their systems. So you think about in the old days, you would bring in consulting teams. They'd spend six months building value streams and all this. We used technology-based tools to look at log files to analyze their processes. And you know what we found? In less than three weeks of analysis, we found that they had over 220 variations of their procurement process. And that's just looking in procurement. There's money to all those variations. That's people buying off contract or maverick spend, right? That's people not adhering to all the business process re-engineering that you'd invested in. So you need tools like this to not only look at your processes and analyze these processes, but also on an ongoing basis, make sure that you're adhering to these superior processes that you put in place, right? Now, I'd also say that the survey, another interesting result from the Oxford surveys was along the lines of the fact that they, they, they found 14% uh, of the, the executives they surveyed also said that uh, they haven't fully broken down all the organizational silos that exist, which means there's a lot more work to do to gain visibility across your organizations. And companies today, they need actionable data and they need this data without latency, without having to do all these different data hops and storages. You need to see what it is now that's going on in your company. And with that, if you can get actionable insight today, then you can drive a much more intelligent business. You can be much more agile to all these shocks that we just talked about that are going to occur. And therefore, you can be a lot more competitive. I, I apologize if that was a long-winded answer, but I, I, I hope that that's useful to you and your, your audience. No, that was, that was a really interesting and insightful answer. And to hit on what you just said, right, so essentially it's really important in today's world that businesses know where the road is headed, or at least that they have some kind of insight into um, and predict where they want to go and where they should be going using data to achieve this. And I think especially in today's world, in 2020, this is even more critical, right? Because COVID is impacting everybody and that creates so much uncertainty and unpredictability. So can you comment a little bit more on what's going on with COVID and how has COVID impacted the high-tech industry? Yeah, and as I just mentioned, right, the supply, demand, resource uh, shocks are definitely driving 
the need for increased agility. And, and high tech has always been a space that, that, that lived fast and furious, right? It might take nine months to engineer a new printer and three months for that printer to be obsoleted. And if you're the leading printer manufacturer in the company, it's probably you that are obsoleting your own products. COVID has taken that to a whole new level with being, uh, having to be uh, responsive and agile to the, the variations and changes and shocks that are hitting the system. Now, this is also a huge uh, human component to this as well. Think, think about uh, just, just looking at SAP, right? When, when, uh, when COVID really hit and, uh, the world in a big way, when everybody realized what this meant in, in, in really in March, um, SAP, we moved 90,000 employees to, from traveling and working in offices to working from home essentially overnight. And, and every company faces these challenges. And, and there's a certain amount of that that you need to be on top of. How are we measuring our, our employees' wellness, our employees' experiences? How are we ensuring that we're retaining the top talent that we need to retain in our company and keeping them, uh, 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 getting them the needs that they have in this new normal, right? If we were used to doing 90% of our sales direct face-to-face -face in a B2B model, now 99% of your sales are indirect in e-commerce. So there's a lot of changes that are, are taking place and happening. And as, as much as the business processes that have to change along with them occur, it's technology that enables you to adapt and flex and, uh, and ensure the well-being of your employees and the well-being of your processes in, in this day and time. So um, many sectors have been impacted quite negatively by, by, by COVID. I mean, look at hospitality and airlines, hotels, all of that. Uh, in many cases, the technology that enables us to work from home is powered by high tech. So there's a bit of a, of a buffer, to, so to speak, in some of the demand shocks in, in parts of it that are, are B to B to C, you know, Apple's storefronts, they all closed. But a company like Apple, they don't just furlough all their employees. They retrain them and they, they use a downturn in a cycle to prepare for the next upturn. In 2008, when Lehman Brothers happened, it was then that Apple used that time frame to, uh, to launch the iPad. The iPhone came out in 2008, and they were developing the iPad at that point in time, which was launched in the marketplace in 2010. So when the going gets tough, tough companies get going. They use uh, lulls and shocks and changes to fine-tune themselves, to emerge more competitive, or to even use the conditions to showcase their abilities to be more competitive. And, and you know, it affects different industries in different ways. I think high tech has always been a very resilient sector, and uh, and I think COVID allows them to leverage their ability to be resilient as a competitive strength in in these in these challenging times. So, Patrick, going back to the Oxford Economic Study, so the survey found that nearly half of the respondents say that technology investments contribute to improve both customer and employee experiences and increases employee productivity. And what they also said is that IoT, AI, and predictive analytics are top investment priorities. Is that the case for the high-tech sector too? Uh, absolutely, right? So, you know, the impact of losing a customer is massive, right? I think they say that for every dollar you spend to get a customer, you spend at least 9x to get them back if you lose them. 
So in a, such a competitive environment um, as the high-tech industry is um, and how fast it moves, right? I just gave an example a second ago about life cycles and, and, uh, and, and, and product turnover. It's really all about time to volume in the high-tech sector. So you can't afford those blips in customers. It's imperative to understand and constantly take a pulse on what your competitors are doing. And, and in the technology space where people are investing there is more and more they're trying to get real-time sensing of what the customer experience is and how do I bring that back to take action on it immediately, right? I, I feel like we're talking about the same theme here. Um, if you looked at the gas gauge in your car and it gave you last week's gas level, what good would that be? It's accurate, but it's not current. Right? You would have to drive your car very differently than you drive your car today. When you look at your gas gauge, you expect that data to be real time. Businesses need to be able to combine customer experience with what's going on in their business real time. So the data and the analysis they're looking at is real time information and they can take real time action. Right? And that's absolutely imperative with short product life cycles and in this time to volume marketplace. Now, we also talked about the effects of COVID and how important it is for us to really take a pulse, not just on our customers, but on what our employees are doing. And, and so that's absolutely critical. You know, technology customers often, um, you know, high tech companies, technology companies often adopt change and, and technology to enable that change. They often adopt it faster. And the reason for that is to drive competitive differentiation for all the reasons we've talked about, right? Because it's so important to hold on to our customers. And, and, and when we look at these other technologies you mentioned, uh, as we look at IoT, predictive analytics, uh, artificial intelligence, right? Um, this is all about connecting the processes that we use to run our companies together, end to end, right? If you're using IoT, you could use IoT to maybe sense vibrations in a manufacturing line to predict that the manufacturing line is going to go down ahead of time. If you were also taking pulse data against customers, you could start to tie the dots between customer bad experience and um, maybe on a product experience back right back to that product coming from a specific line that was experiencing excessive viola uh, uh, vibrations. And now you've connected the dots between a product quality problem and a manufacturing machine tool asset problem, right? The companies that can do that better and faster than other companies have, in fact, a, a competitive um, advantage. They can derive insights as it relates to their business faster. That's what's behind Industry 4.0. And at SAP, we're calling it Industry 4 Now, right? And it's why companies that even during a downturn are investing in these kinds of technologies to give themselves a competitive advantage to enable employees that maybe have to work remotely better access to data and information to make decisions. And so companies that can accomplish this with technology have an advantage against companies that just throw bodies at the problem, right? If I can replace inventory with data, what kind of a competitive advantage is that? It's massive. It's huge. And it's, it's where the, the, the industry is going. And I, I say industry, I don't just mean high tech. I think, you know, high tech might lead the charge, um, but all industries are moving in that, that same direction. Right. In my humble opinion. In my humble opinion. I hope other industries are listening in as well. So, I mean, it's really about 
creating a business that is interconnected, right? Where all processes work together and yeah. you leverage the technologies that we have at a hand in today's world to give executives or anybody in a business better insight into what's going on to be able to act in real time and just create a business that's more resilient and more agile, which is so critical again in today's world. So you've touched on so many different, I think, best practices in the, in the high tech industry to talk a little bit more of some best practices and then also what best run businesses are doing in today's world to address uh, today's top challenges. You know, I love that question, and and we could t- we could probably spend an hour talking about it, which I don't think you you are going to give me, and your audiences probably don't don't want to hear me blabber for an hour anyway. But um, uh, I think resilience is the word of 2020, and probably will continue to be so into 2021. Resilience, right? If you if you think about what resilience is, right, the ability to adapt to change, right? Uh, Charles Darwin once said that it's not the strongest species that survive. It's the ones that can adapt the best and the fastest to change. And those businesses which have interconnected uh, processes that can easily collaborate uh, both within the silos of their own business as well as with external partners, they have an advantage. And what's interesting is as you look at these studies from Oxford Economics, these are all central themes that they have in each of their surveys, in each of their studies. Resilience, the interconnected businesses, the ability to collaborate, right? It's a really, it's about integrating social information um, with achieving your strategic goals. We talk about the the question that we just went through a, a second ago about uh, being more uh, closer to both your employees and your customers. How can I take all of the data that's out there in the social environment and how can I use that information to better serve my customers, to better serve my employees. And there's a risk in doing that too, because with all the regulations that come along with, say, GDPR and all the other data privacy concerns, it's absolutely imperative that we use the data for good, but we don't use the data in ways that violate privacy rules. So the management of this data and the the intelligence derived from it and how we use it and where it's stored and maintained is absolutely critical. If it's done properly, we have a business that's way more agile that now moves from gut-based decision-making to data-driven decision-making. And we can start to focus on the experiences that our customers have, that our employees are having, that our product engineer is having. And if we, uh, product, uh, the engineering of our product in the marketplace, what experiences does that create? The, the longer the latency of realizing this experience information with the transactional data that run our business, the the bigger the data gaps and driving insights from this information, the less competitive we are, especially in an environment where our competitors have the ability to derive those insights quickly. So the the imperative to be more agile, uh, to to adapt to these shrinking product life cycles or shocks of global pandemics, it's absolutely critical. And it's absolutely critical that we can use this data in a way that um, that uh, adheres to everything I've talked about and that gives us competitive advantage. So you talked about best practices, right? Um, during Sapphire recently, um, you know, I had the, the absolute honor of hosting a panel with leaders from Intel and Verizon 
And, um, you know, they talked uh, a lot about, you know, Intel gave a great example of the reduction in latency and taking a process that have been taking them two weeks in a heterogeneous environment to, to drive information that they can now do with zero latency using uh, uh, compute solutions and technology solutions, obviously offered by SAP, but that, that lay across a heterogeneous environment. Instead of ripping it all out, how do they close that 20% gap of what they couldn't do? Um, and, and now it allows them to simulate. They can actually see the effects of certain campaigns and, and things that happen uh, on, on the East Coast as the sun comes up and apply them to how they store and manage and promote that same movement of, of inventory in, 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 in the, on the back end on the West Coast. And that's a semiconductor company. Think about applying that in a B2C environment, right? What, what that could do. Verizon talks about using technology to be able to close the books virtually anytime they want and how they can use that as a competitive uh, differentiator and albeit even potentially a, a competitive weapon. As the markets change, knowing when to, how to announce good news or bad news and using that um, in, in such a way that allows you to do it at, at, the, at your leisure and flexibility that can give you an advantage over, over people in your marketplace. And that applies not just to these big companies that I'm talking about. Imagine being a, a high-growth, high-tech unicorn. You might be $80 million in revenue today with aspirations of being a billion dollars in revenue in the next three years, which means you have to have processes and tools that really big companies have. You know, the cloud affords us to, to adopt technologies and solutions very, very quickly. And companies shouldn't just look at SAP as a company for very big companies. You should say, wow, SAP has been providing solutions in the marketplace for over 40 years. And even if I'm a small company, I can benefit from all the lessons learned and all the best practices that have been developed and built directly in SAP software to drive resilience, to drive interconnectivity across disconnected silos to allow you to collaborate with external partners, to integrate social data, to enable my business goals, to make sure that my business is flexible and agile, and that as the marketplace adjusts and, and changes, that I can adjust and change really, really quickly and, and remain uh, agile in this world of increasing uh, agility requirements. And I think that it's safe to conclude that an interconnected business does exhibit more resiliency and leadership. And as we both talked about, especially in today's world, this is absolutely critical for, I'd say, survival, that different processes in a business, of course, are integrated, but that we also get this data both within the company, but also from the outside so that we're able to it, see our business from an outside perspective and, and run more efficiently. So Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You know, you made me so much smarter about the high tech industry, about what's going on. And, and to everybody who listened to this episode, if you are curious about this report and you want to learn more about what 3000 business leaders said about driving, running an interconnected business, then we're going to link to it. But Patrick, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me, Justin. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Likewise, and to all those who listened, thank you for listening to the episode. I hope that I'll see you on the next one. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our channel on OpenSAP 
Google Podcast, and Spotify. For more information, check out sap.com.